Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. All right, everybody say open door. That's the name of our series that we are embarking on for the month of January. I want you to go with me to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5. I got a lot of scriptures that I'm going to read to you today. So just hang with me as we read them. They'll be up on the screen. You can follow along on your device or on your Bibles if you have them with you. Let's start off with Matthew, chapter 5, verse 21. And it reads as follows. When Jesus had again crossed by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus, he's, he's one of our main characters in our story today, the, named Jairus came and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him, and the large crowd followed and pressed around him. We're going to jump all the way now to verse 35. While Jesus was still speaking, some of the people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told them, do not be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and he said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went into the room where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha Ka'um, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. For the next few moments, I want to talk to you on this thought that the Lord has put in my heart. I see an open door. I see an open door. Let me pray with you once more. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you, Lord, for how you have been visiting your people over the last 24 hours. And in the same way that we met with you last night, would you meet with us here today? I pray, God, that as I speak to this audience, would you speak to every individual. You have a word for the situation they are going through. You have a word for the heartbreak that they are walking through. Father, would you come and speak to them? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Clap your hands, everybody. You may be seated. I see an open door. I need to begin by taking a poll of the room. I want to know what kind of people I am working with today. How many of you have resolutions for the new year? Come on, hand up if you have New Year's resolutions. 
All right, look around you. Everyone with their hands down, they don't have resolutions. They just, they don't believe in resolutions. They're not that type of person. And that's okay. You don't have to have a New Year's resolution. Let me take it a layer further. How many of you with resolutions already broke one of your resolutions this year? Come on, be honest. How many already broke a resolution? I love asking that question. Some of you are like, I got to Wednesday, Pastor. I gave it a good effort. 2025 will be my year. Come on, somebody. 2025. I say all that because resolutions bring us to this place of opportunities. And whether you make a resolution or not, the new year has this intrinsic way of reminding us that we have new opportunities in 2024. Resolution or not, there are new opportunities with every new year. And in this series, An Open Door, we want to talk about opportunities. Let me tee up this series before I dive into the message. An open door symbolizes opportunity. If you're taking notes, that's a good one to write down. In the Bible, we read that an open door symbolizes, it represents opportunity. Let me give you some scriptures that we find in the New Testament. The writer's name is Paul, and he used open door, that phrase, to describe an opportunity. The first one is in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 8 and 9. Paul wrote to the church, and he said this, but I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost, because a great door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many who oppose me. Let me show you another scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. Now, when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me. There it is again. Let me read one more in the interest of time. We'll stop with it, but this one is important. Colossians chapter 4, verse 3, it says, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Every single one of these verses, an open door means an opportunity. Now, I want to highlight this last verse because this last verse says, pray that God would open a door. Because not only are open doors opportunities, but what you need to know through the text is that there are some doors that do not open until you start praying. There are some doors that will not open. Paul said it this way. He said, pray for me that the door will be open. Some doors, there are doors that you want open. There are doors that you've desired to be open. There are doors that are on your vision board. And God is saying, until you start praying, I'm not going to start opening. Until you start fasting, I'm not going to start opening. There are some doors that do not open until you start praying. I got bad news for you. There are some doors that your charisma won't open. I know y'all are good looking people, but there are some doors that your good looks aren't going to open for you. And y'all are beautiful. Y'all are handsome. This, the 12 o'clock crowd is the, the best looking crowd at all of Lighthouse. I'm telling you, it's the 12 o'clock turn up. Your degree isn't going to open some of these doors. No, there are some doors that are only opened supernaturally, and those doors open when we stop playing games and we start praying. 
I know that sounds kind of strong, but some of us come to church and we do a real good job of playing church. But when you're done playing church, it's time to start praying to a God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask, think, or imagine. And some of us go through life and we have these doors that we want open and we think, oh, they're closed. Maybe God doesn't want it open. You need to understand whenever a door is closed, it is because God is trying to get you to pray about it. And here's what's going to happen. It is only in prayer that he's going to tell you whether or not it should be open. That's why you pray either way. Same so like, I prayed and the door didn't open. Maybe you just missed it when God said, I've kept it closed for a reason. So you never lose when you start praying because when you pray, it's either going to open the door or if you pray, it's going to tell you why it's going to stay shut. But either way, we pray. This is why we are putting prayer at the beginning of the year because I believe there are opportunities that God wants to do something incredible in all of your lives and it's not going to happen until we start praying. It's not going to happen until we start fasting. It's not going to happen until the church says, God, I need this door to be open for me. And so... I'm going to just nudge some of you along that were listening to me talk about prayer and fasting. And if you were on the fence, let me ask you, do you need a door opened? Then join us for prayer and fasting. Do you need God to open up some opportunities for you? Then join us in prayer and fasting. All right, so that's why we're talking about an open door. Does that sound good, everybody? Let me take you into the text and explain to you who Jairus is because Jairus is important. When we get to Mark's gospel, chapter 5, we meet this man named Jairus. Now, there's a few things that we need to understand about Jairus. Number one, he's an important person. We know this because Mark makes sure that he wrote in his letter that Jairus is a leader in the synagogue. He is an influential person. He is a person with authority. He is a person that you recognized when he came down walking down the street. Jairus was an important person, but he's also a broken person. And you can be two things at the same time. You can have position, you can have influence, you can have authority, and you could still be broken. And Jairus is broken. Why? Because his 12-year-old daughter is at home, and she's at the point of death. You need to understand that even though he had authority, even though he had, um, he had responsibility, even though he had influence... None of that healed his daughter. None of that did anything for his daughter. He had already spent all of his resources, and the doctor couldn't get her better. He already tried every single thing, and his daughter would not get better. And when this man goes to Jesus, it's only because he's out of options. How many ever tried some crazy things because you were out of options? Everybody ever tried anything crazy because you were out of options? Let me try to contextualize some of this for you. You see, my, my wife and I, though we're both Hispanics, we come home, we, we have varying degrees of, of cultural context. And so, so I would go to, when I was dating my wife, and if I said something to my mother-in-law about how I was feeling, how I wasn't feeling good, she'd say, did you try this yet? How many of you know what I'm talking about? And it has nothing to do with medicine. It's just like, did you try this? No, I didn't think about that. Why would I do that? Did you put Vicks on your feet? No, I put it on my chest. Why would I put it on my feet? My feet are fine, but it's my, I'm congested up here. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? It's like that me, it's like that movie, my big fat Greek wedding. Do y'all remember that movie where the dad would put Windex on everything? 
and he just believed that was going to heal them. They'd come in with a cut on their knee, and he'd put Windex on it. He goes, that's going to make you feel better. How many know what I'm talking about when you start trying things because you're desperate? Well, that's how Jairus was. When he went to Jesus, he was desperate. Everybody say desperate. He was desperate. So you can identify with Jairus if you've ever been desperate before. He comes to Jesus and he's desperate. And you might be thinking, why would he be desperate to go to Jesus? Here's the context. Jairus, as the leader of the synagogue, opposed Jesus. You see, Jesus was bad for the synagogue business. Jesus, when he starts his earthly ministry, he's 30 years old. But when Jesus speaks, things start to happen. When Jesus begins to pray for people, unlike at the synagogue, they actually get healed when Jesus prays for them. Unlike the synagogue, when Jesus sees somebody who's demon-possessed, he speaks to the person and the demons have to flee. That ain't happening at the synagogue. So all of a sudden, people are mad at Jesus because he's a disruptor. He's bad for the synagogue business. And the people that used to flock to the synagogues are now flocking to Jesus. And the Bible says that when Jesus stepped into town, people left the synagogues and they went to Jesus. And so if Jairus is going to Jesus, you need to understand that if he's going to the person who is bad for business, he's out of options. He's tried everything and he is desperate. But there's good news for Jairus because Jesus says, I'm going to come to your house, Jairus. So off they go to Jairus' house. Now, I skipped over a part of the story, and I'm just going to fly by it real quickly. But there's a woman who interrupts Jesus on his way to Jairus' house. So it slows down Jesus, and he doesn't get to Jairus' house when Jairus wants him to get there. And then what ends up happening is because this woman over here kind of disrupted Jesus, people come from Jairus' house to tell him, it's too late. She's already passed. It's too late. You missed the opportunity, Jesus. If you would have hurried it up, maybe this would have ended differently. If you would have got there sooner, maybe this would have ended differently. And so this is what the scripture says. Jesus is overhearing the crowd and he says, don't be afraid, just believe. Everybody say afraid. That's an interesting statement that Jesus made. When he said, don't be afraid, I'm a little puzzled by that because the fear of Jairus has nothing to do with the condition of his daughter. Or does it? You see, Jesus could have looked at Jairus, winked at him and said, don't worry, when I get there, I'm a resurrector. Like, that would have been cool, right? If Jesus would have looked at him and said, hey, don't listen to them. I got you, bro, little fist bump. You know what I mean? Like, I got you. I'm going to get you. It's going to work out. It's not what Jesus does. The Bible says, He looked at him, so he's not looking at the crowd. He's looking at Jairus. He looks at him, and he says, don't be afraid. It's crazy to me that Jesus addresses fear, but all throughout the Bible, Jesus has to address fear because that is the one feeling that we're not allowed to feel as Christians. Did you guys know that? You can be sad. The Bible never says not to be sad. You can be mad. The Bible never says not to be mad. And some of you are very good at mad, so you guys got that on lock, okay? The Bible doesn't say not to worry. It it, it tells us, you know, we shouldn't worry. But the one thing that Jesus said was, don't be afraid. Did you know that phrase, do not fear, is in the Bible 365 times, which is also the amount of days in the year. Because every single day that we wake up, Jesus put a reminder in the Bible, do not be afraid. You can be sad. You can be mad. You can be moody. You can be indifferent. But you cannot be afraid 
cannot be afraid. Jesus looks at him and says, do not be afraid. And then he goes on to say, just believe. Everybody say believe. Here's what you need to know about belief. Belief is a choice that we make in spite of what we see happening around us. I'll say it one more time. Belief is a choice that we make in spite of what we see happening around us. How many of us sometimes what we see doesn't, how, how many of us sometimes what we see doesn't always align with the word of God and we have to make a choice what we're going to believe. Am I going to believe what I see or am I going to believe God's word? Because you can't believe both. When, with, when, when what you see is not in line with, what, with God's word, you have a decision to make. Either you believe what you see or you believe what's happened or you believe God's word. And I've come to remind you here on this first Sunday of 2024, you've got to agree with the word of God. You've got to believe the word of God. You have to have faith that what God said he's going to do, he's going to do. Jairus came to Jesus, though it was desperate, he was hopeful. Or else, why would he come to Jesus if he wasn't hopeful? He was desperate, but there was hope. And when the people came out and said, don't bother Jesus anymore, he looks at him and says, only believe. Only believe. Here's the thing about belief, and here's why belief is so powerful. Belief, not only is it a choice that we make, in spite of everything around us, here's what the Bible describes belief, faith as. Here's the scripture. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence. Everybody say evidence. The evidence of things not seen. What that means is your belief, your faith is the evidence that God is who he says he is. My belief is the evidence that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all I can ask, think, or imagine. It's not what I see, it's what I believe that is the evidence. Okay, let me, unpl- let, me un- let me unpack some of this. You see, some of you won't believe until you see it, and God is saying you won't see it until you believe it. You want to see some things in order to believe, and God is saying you're never going to see those things until you start believing. And, and it's different in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the upside-down kingdom, and in the upside-down kingdom, it doesn't play by the rules of this world. In the rules of this world, we want to size someone up and down, look at the resume, and make a decision. But when we look at the word of God, God looks at the heart. He looks at the inside. Why? Because God is always dealing with more. God is always spending his time dealing with what's happening inside of us first. Let me teach this to you. Some of you all want to see things happen on the outside. We want to see the external and God's more concerned about the internal. You see, you guys want God to do it. You want God to do the miracle. You want God to to do the thing that you're praying for. But God is not as concerned about what he's going to do as he is what he's going to do through you. You see, what he's doing through you is more important than what he's going to do outside of you. And so we're more concerned about what's happening outside, and he's more concerned about what's happening here. Let me just teach you on this before I move on. Any delay, anytime God delays in answering your prayer, it's because he wants to develop something in here before he does it out there. 
Is that making sense, somebody? Some of us are like, I need God to do it out there. And he's like, I'm not doing it out there until I first do it in here. I got to develop you on the inside in order for you to deal with what I'm going to do on the outside. If I gave you what you wanted right now, it would break you. But if I could develop you in the delay, if I can develop you in the disruption, if I can develop you in the dark, whatever D you want to put on it, if he could develop you in that, it'll prepare you for what he's going to do outside. It'll prepare you for what he's getting ready to do on the outside. But you have to make a choice. And here's the choice. You have to choose faith over fear. You have to choose faith over fear. I preached a message called Faith Over Fear. And it has more views on YouTube than any other sermon I've preached here at Lighthouse Church. Why? Because so many people are dealing with fear. So many people are living with fear, and they're trying to find a solution. How do I choose faith over fear? Well, let me kind of help you with some of that. Let me, let me give you some ways that you can choose faith over fear. Because what happens is when these people come and tell them, don't bother Jesus. She's already passed away. And Jesus looks over at Jairus and he says, just believe. Everything's going to be okay. Here's what he does next. The Bible says he takes Peter, James, and John. And he looks at the rest of the crowd and he says, you all are dismissed. It's, it's there. He sends them all away. He gets Peter, James, and John. He's like, the rest of you can go. You don't get to go with me into Jairus' house. You see, Jesus is about to walk through the door into the home of Jairus, but he makes sure that if he's going to walk into the door of Jairus' house, he can't take anybody with him that does not have faith. He refuses to take anybody with him if they are not a person of faith. That's why he takes Peter and he takes James and he takes John. And it's only those three men that he chooses to walk into, to walk through the door and into Jairus' house. Here's the application. If you're taking notes, write this down. You can't walk through open doors without having people of faith with you. I'll say that one more time. You can't walk through open doors without people of faith. You see, some of you want to see God do a new thing, but you're not ready to let go of the old thing. You want to walk into that door with the old people that don't want to see you win. There are people in that crowd that don't want to see you get delivered. There are people in that crowd that don't want to see you get promoted. There are people in that crowd that don't believe in what God is trying to do through you. And you can't let people hold you back because they're insecure about their own dysfunction that they can't stand to see you blessed. So you got to get rid of the crowd that does not have faith. And if there's anyone here that's wondering, well, Pastor Josh, where do I find these people of faith that you are speaking of? I'll tell you where to find them. You'll find them praying. Come to the ladies' prayer. Come to the men's prayer. Come to the students' prayer. Come to the pre-service prayer. That's where you're going to find people of faith. You're going to find people of faith at the prayer. Get some of these people in your corner because when God opens that door, you got to have people with faith surrounding you. Does that sound good, everybody? Now, let me take you to the next point. So when Jesus gets in to the house, and I'm coming to a close now. When Jesus gets into the house, the Bible says that there's all this commotion there's all these people crying. Let me read you this scripture. When Jesus goes in, he says, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. Can I? You, you got to see the text here. L -l -let, me, let me untie this thing for you, okay? Jesus walks in and people are crying. Now, you might think, 
Well, Jesus, they're weeping because they love the little girl and, and they want to see her get better. When Jesus comes in and says the child is not dead but asleep, they laughed. If they really loved that girl, they would have gotten excited. If they really loved that girl, they probably would have started praying. But their response was not to pray. Their response was to laugh. So can I put my own commentary on this verse? I told you a minute ago that Jairus was important. I told you a minute ago that Jairus had authority. He had influence. He had position. I believe that the people that showed up and were sitting inside of Jairus' house really did not love the daughter and really did not love him. They loved what he could do for them. So they showed up just to rub shoulders with the elite. They showed up just because they were hoping to get something out of him. They didn't really love her. Because they laughed. And I love what Jesus does here. I love how Jesus, when they laughed at him, he did what Martin used to do to Tommy, Pamela, and Cole. And he said, now get to stepping. And if you don't know that reference, it's because you ain't old and you don't know the old Martin show. How many of you remember the Martin show? Whenever people start acting up, it, every episode ended the same way. He kicked everyone out of his house. He said, now get to stepping. That's what Jesus did in the text. Jesus was done. He was done with the crowd and he's done with the fake people because the fake people don't love him. Let me bring you to the application. You need to walk with people who love you. If you're going to walk through an open door, you've got to have people who genuinely love you in your corner. I'm not talking about that fake kind of love that says, oh, if that's what you feel to do, then that's what you should do. I'm not talking about that fake kind of love that won't warn you when you're going down a path of destruction. I'm talking about people who love you enough to say, baby, you're doing the wrong thing. Baby, you keep on going. You're going to wreck your marriage. Don't do that. You're going to hurt your children. I'm talking about people who love you. The Bible says that Jesus kicked everyone out of the room. And listen to what it says next. He took Peter, James, John, Jairus, Jairus' wife, and Jesus. And now they step into another room where the daughter was. Here's the application. When you walk through the door, you got to walk through with people who have faith and people who love you. You cannot have people in your circle who do not love you and do not share your faith. You know, as we were praying about our, as we were praying about our theme for this year, and every year, you know, we, we pray and we think about what is this year bringing? What, what do we believe this year to bring? What do we, do we believe this year to have for us and to hold for us? You need to know that we believe that this word, open door, is a prophetic declaration. We believe that the word open door is, is, what is, is a new opportunity that God has, not just for the church, but it's a new opportunity that God has for every single one of you. I believe that God has opportunities, new opportunities, new doors, new blessings, new things that he wants to do through you. I believe that there are doors that God is going to open in 2024, and we want to see you win Lighthouse Church. We want to see you victorious, Lighthouse Church. How many believe that God is going to open up some doors in 2024? Come on, how many believe that God's going to do a new thing in 2024? Come on, how many believe that new opportunities, new doors, windows of blessings, they're coming this year? They're coming this year. So you have to choose faith over fear. You have to surround yourself with people who love you. 
and you have to surround yourself with people full of faith. It's so simple, and yet we struggle with it. But I want you to know that we're praying for you, Lighthouse, and we're believing the best for you. And I just know that God is going to do that. And if you're thinking for a moment, Pastor Josh, this sounds like a whole lot of self-help. Can I just tell you that this is the gospel? Can I tell you that we were lost and dead in our sins? So then God sent his son, Jesus, to come and to die in our place. And when Jesus comes and he dies in our place, he gives us a new, everybody say new, new covenant. And then he says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new, everybody say new, a new creature. Behold, the former things have passed away and all things have become new. The gospel tells us that we have new doors, new opportunities, new blessings, a new covenant. All these things are the newness of what the gospel, Jesus, his son, what he brings to our life. I'm not here preaching self-help. I'm here preaching that Jesus died so that you could have an open door. Jesus shed his blood so that we could walk in the newness of life. If I'm preaching to you, would you close your eyes as I begin to pray over you right now? Father, I pray over your church. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.